Okay, guys, I think we're gonna start. So, uh, hello everyone. Uh, welcome to Tel Aviv University webinar uh, and a special tribute today for the uh, alumni uh, of Tel Aviv University. And uh, my name is Amos El Ad. I'm the Vice President of Public Affairs, Development and Alumni Affairs. Uh, I'm very excited to be here with everyone today. We have a very exciting and special guest today. We have Liad Agmon, CPO Zerarmon, Omer Kelaf, um, and of course our moderator, Meir Orbach. Um, and uh, I think um, uh, we're going to hear a lot about what they do, who they are. I think uh, one uh, amazing common denominator, denominator is that uh, all of them are uh, amazing graduate and alumni of Tel Aviv University. Uh, and uh, we wanted to celebrate, uh, especially during this time, that a lot of you are still at home and uh, some of you are still uh, under this uh, uh, COVID-19 situation. Uh, we want to bring you the amazing things that Tel Aviv University is doing and of course our amazing graduate. Um, this is the place to thank, to really thank every one of you that already participated and started and helped our uh, emergency campaign helping students. And I know that a lot of you already gave uh, scholarships to students who were really because of this situation struggling to end this semester. And uh, I, I gotta tell you that we are, really, our heart was uh, filled because a lot of you joined us and for you that didn't join yet, uh, I know you can reach out to your friends organization and to Sigalit, the head of our uh, amazing head of alumni association. Uh, and really, I think I think you, we should all be proud because just you know a few words, and then I'm going to give the the floor to Mail. I think we should all be proud that Tel Aviv University was really one of the first to really start and handle uh, COVID-19 uh, in the really I would say the most admirable way. First of all, from the online aspect, as we said, things uh, in a week and a half things went really rapid, and we went online. And all studies, all courses went online. Uh, I think this is an amazing thing for university really leading in the world in this aspect. And of course, you know that over 50 labs right now really are doing amazing work on researching on uh, uh, this uh, pandemic uh, issue. And you know that, uh, I don't know if you heard the news, it was all over the news international and Israel, of course. Today I heard it was over Fox, Fox News as well that uh, Israel is doing uh, also with the IDF, amazing research for soldiers, and of course, tests for soldiers, uh, uh, and of course, keeping up in the university, we have a special lab that is trying to do and research, and of course, uh, trying to help the country, Israel, with the situation and cope this. Here in Israel, for the rest of you that are around the world, we're in a much better situation, I think, than a lot of places in the world. We are getting opened. It seems very positive. We, again, we still are afraid of the second wave, but uh, it's very positive. And I think uh, I'm sending here from here our love and our uh, 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 really best wishes to you guys that are still home. And uh, I think that uh, it's going to be hopefully soon over. And um, I've been told to just say that the questions and answers are in the end. And uh, I am here to thank everyone in the name of Tel University. And now I'm going to give the floor to uh, May Obach uh, to lead this amazing panel. So thank you very much, everyone. Thank you, guys. Mayor. Hello, everybody. Uh, I'm May Obach. I'm the editor of Calculist. Uh, in Calculist, uh, you're responsible for all the startups, the VC, and all the high-tech ecosystems. We have uh, this evening three amazing people with us. CPO Zaharmon from Luminis, Liad Agmon from Dynamic Yield, which was uh, about a year and a half ago bought by McDonald's, and Omer Kelaf, which is the founder and the CEO of uh, Innoviz, uh, an autotech amazing company. Uh, CP, uh, I would like to start uh, with you. If you can tell us a bit, for those who don't know, and there are just a few of us who don't know who really Luminis is and what you have been through in the last year or so. Okay, so uh, good evening, good morning, depending on uh, where you are. Uh, I'm very happy to be here. I graduate of uh, this amazing institution, both for my MBA and my BA in economics. Um, for the last eight years, uh, I'm managing uh, Luminis, CEO of uh, Luminis. Uh, for those of you who do not know us, 
We are uh, the number one uh, medical uh, device company in the world. We are selling uh, half and half to um, uh, medical procedure or aesthetic, uh, aesthetic procedure. You can see kind of in the uh, background, you can see the, uh, the type of uh, machines that uh, we're selling. Uh, we are the innovator behind uh, many of the procedure and technologies in, in our domain with four R&D centers, uh, two in Israel, one in the States and one in uh, Europe, headquartered in Israel proud to deliver what we call better technology for better patient care and saves people life. And uh, recently, a few months ago, we've uh, sold the company again. That's my third exit with the company for uh, over, uh, over a billion dollars um, to a large private equity firm from Asia called uh, Barry. Nice to be here. Happy to be here. Thank you. Liad. Eliad uh, is the, also a Tel Aviv alumna, and is the CEO now and the founder of Dynamic Yield, which uh, that please tell us what Dynamic Yield does and who, most surprisingly, acquired it in 2018-19. So uh, Dynamic Yield uh, is a software company in the personalization space, and now we are a subsidiary of McDonald's, which is a small company you may... You may have eaten in one of our restaurants at least once in your lifetime. Uh, so Dynamic Yield, about 270 employees, about, uh, uh, I think, 170 in Israel and about 100 uh, uh, around the world. We have a large office in New York and a large office in Berlin. Uh, on April 2018, we got acquired by McDonald's uh, and we stayed an independent subsidiary. So we now um, service McDonald's uh, and the, the rest of our customers. So we have about 300 customers globally. Um, you know, very, very large retailers you've all heard of, um, you know, fashion brands, like global uh, luxury retailers. Um, and we mainly operate in the, on their e-commerce websites and in their apps. And last but in, uh, Specifically in McDonald's, we, we do personalization in the drive-thru. So it's a bit of a different use case. And uh, last but not least, Mr. Omer Keilaf, also at Tel Aviv Alumnus. Uh, Omer. Uh, you are not acquired yet, uh, so can you tell us a bit about uh, Innovis and what Lida exactly is, for those who don't know? Yeah, sure. So, uh, hi everyone. So, uh, Innovis is developing technologies for autonomous cars. Uh, specifically, we are developing a sensor which is called a, a LiDAR. Uh, don't really see it now. Okay, so this is the sensor. So people ask me what is a lidar, and I, you know, it's really. I want to use the platform, and doing this on live, it's, it's actually easier to do this. So you can actually see uh, this is where what the lidar provides. It's a 3D image. Uh, every pixel actually gives you the the, the the distance for an object. Today you see uh, cars with those things. Uh, those are mechanical instruments that you have hundreds of lasers inside and. They just rotate around the car and see the world in 3D. Uh, so what we do is replacing those ugly looking uh, devices to fairly small devices. Uh, this is uh, this LiDAR that we provide scans the scene by lasers and allows the car to see the, the world in 3D. And we also identify and classify objects. So uh, all of you know Mobileye. Mobileye use cameras, those are 2D images and uh, they they basically run their neural uh, networks in order to uh, translate the raw data of the camera uh, in order to identify and classify people and cars so we, we on top of the lidar that we provide on top of the 3d raw data we are also developing the the software the perception layer uh, that translates the the 3d uh, image or video into object detection and classification. So basically a car would use a LiDAR, a camera and a radar, and we are providing the LiDAR and the computer vision. So this is a, a program we have with BMW. And this is our focus right now. BMW is targeting to launch their level three cars, autonomous driving end of next year. So this is what Innovis is doing. We are around 260 people, mostly located in Israel. 
we have a few uh, uh, few areas in the world, uh, R&D in Europe and in Germany, where BMW is located, and uh, some sales uh, location in, in you know the US, uh, Japan, and, and and China. Amazing. Uh, about a few weeks yeah. ago or a month ago, Israel was shocked during COVID. The, uh, the middle of the COVID-19 uh, stay-at-home era, uh, Intel bought through its mobile subsidiary uh, the Movit application for more than $900 million, almost close to a billion dollars. It was a big surprise that during COVID-19 days, Intel is uh, acquiring a startup in Israel, a uh, huge uh, investment, a big declaration for the company. And I want to ask all of you, what do you think is this something we're going to see? What do you think about this exit at all? And again, I'm starting with you, Omer, because something that a bit close to your area and feel, do you think this is the revival of the autonomous cars or what do you think? How do you see it? Uh, I think it's a, it's a great news. Uh, I think it's a great uh, statement by Intel uh, pushing the gas further and, uh, and becoming a, a meaningful player in, uh, in autonomous driving. Uh, Mobileye so far uh, was playing in the role of uh, tier two. Uh, if, you, if you think about uh, you know, the platform of the car that translated into, transformed it into autonomous driving, there are many sensors and a lot of uh, cyber, etc. But in Israel so far, there were no uh, players uh, in the in the driving decision those activities were mostly led by companies in the us companies that were spawned from uh, the darpa project many startups that started uh, you know in, in that activity and, and google and it requires a lot of investment to to really operate such an activity and in israel uh, most of the startups in in my space in in the, in the automotive sector we're mostly focusing on developing technologies for, for, for that platform, but not really being uh, the brain behind the wheels. And uh, Intel now uh, making this move, uh, you know, is, is setting Mobileye to become a strong competitor versus really big companies like uh, Waymo and Uber. And I think that having Intel uh, making such a large investment in buying another technology that will allow them to be a, a strong competitor is, uh, is is really good news for Israel because it means that more technologies will be needed to develop this platform, and uh, it will uh, also develop areas that were not yet uh, developed in Israel. And uh, th those are uh, things that are related to the computer vision and, and driving decision not not being yet addressed here. Um, so. Obviously, for for us, it's uh, it's great news, and I think it's uh, you know it, it shows that autonomous driving and automation as a whole is uh, something to to stay and to grow. Liad, uh, you went also through an amazing exit. You were bought by McDonald's. I think if you think about a hundred uh, companies that require you, McDonald's was not in that list. You were not, I, I don't think you were ever thought. You have been working for McDonald's. Uh, what do you think about this exit? Not just the numbers, but also, is it good for Israel? Do you think we'll see more of this in the next year or so? Or we are going to get into the era of COVID-19 uh, economy? I mean, first of all, uh, McDonald's, uh, yeah, we, we really thought over the years that McDavid is going to buy us. But McDavid uh, is not uh, is not big enough. So uh, we tried shawarmas, we tried pizza, and we ended up at McDonald's. Um, I, I think uh, it's an outlier, the McDonald's acquisition. Uh, I don't think we're going to see similar acquisitions uh, at, at that scale. There is, uh, I think it, um, the McDonald's, again, uh, uh, I mean, it was published that it was a $300 million acquisition uh, for a burger company by a software company. Uh, it's, it's, I think it's... Um, I think it's a big outlier in a sense of how much money they spent. Oh, sorry, my daughter just went in. Danny, I'm in the middle of the meeting. Ah, yeah, that's the COVID-19 scenario. Um, but uh, uh, we have to... Danny, I'm so shit, let's see. 
Um, so um, I think what we see is that there is an appetite of, of large non-tech companies to acquire tech companies, but it's usually much smaller acquisitions. You know, Nike bought an analytics company out of Boston a couple of months after we got acquired by McDonald's. Uh, you know, Walmart is buying companies and you can see that sometimes the integration doesn't work well. Walmart bought Jet.com for almost $3 billion, uh, $3 billion and they announced uh, last week that they're shutting it down. Um, it's very hard to integrate a startup into a very large company. Um, and um, I don't know if we're going to see more of these acquisitions. I mean, for sure, what happens is that uh, with COVID-19 is that any company that had strong, a lot of leverage uh, is in trouble, right? I mean, Hertz just filed the, for chapter 11 uh, um, over, over the weekend. Um, because anyone who has a lot of debt and their business now and their cash flow uh, is hurting, is in trouble. So I'm sure that the last thing they're thinking about is acquisitions. Uh, companies with a lot of cash and without a lot of debt, um, they are, um, I would say, they have a better opportunity. But a lot of the mindset is right now that there's going to be many opportunities at good unit economics over the next 12 months. So I think there's a lot of waiting to see um, what companies are going to get acquired for, you know, cents on the dollar, et cetera. And I think that's why the movie acquisition is pretty interesting. They paid full bucks for it. Uh, thank you, Liad. Zippy, you are also acquired uh, again and again. Uh, what do you think about the movie acquisition? Uh, and you've been through a, a, a just acquired. Can you tell us a bit what happens in this time, uh, the CEO, what does it feel, the pressure, you know, a bit what we say inside the rooms, the feelings, yeah. what's happening, the, the tense. Okay, so uh, first I would say that selling a company is a very exciting process. Uh, whatever you see in the TV programs, uh, that's, that's life. Uh, for us, we were uh, looking to sell the company to a financial investor, which means that uh, people that can write a check of over a billion dollars. And usually these people, they're very professional, they're very smart, and you need to present to them the company. Uh, they challenge you for your strategy, they challenge you for your execution. And, um, and it's a very mind stimulating kind of uh, process. Um, and it's a very nice recognition. You know, we sold the company four years ago for like $500 million. Now we sold it for over a billion dollars. So it's a, uh, and for a private company, the ultimate recognition is to say, okay, we've created so many hundreds of million of value in, the, in these years. During the process, I would say, you know, we are uh, not a startup, we're a company that, that is a kind of is manufacturing and is, uh, is selling. And uh, I have actually three things, you know, that I've learned, you know, from uh, this uh, multiple experience. Um, the first thing that you must make sure when you're selling a company um, is to make sure that the company will continue to operate and, and execute. I mean, there are lots of rumors. I mean, Calculus was one of the ones that was uh, kept on uh, advertising in the paper that we're in a sale process. And you need to make sure that you monitor the rumors and that the least amount of people is involved in the process so that the, the, all the management and the employees can be focused on the execution. That's very, very dramatic. The second thing is that uh, such process, you know, they take time and you never know whether they're going to happen or not happen. I mean, even during the, the process, you know, it looks like the deal is going to be signed and then the deal is not going to be signed and, and so on. So when you're making a business plan to the potential investor and the time goes by, you have to deliver upon these business plans. So you have to put a plan, not just to say, oh, well, I'm going to make, a, you know, so-and-so, I'm going to take, a, I'm going to double the business by the following two quarters, because if two quarters go by and it didn't deliver, you've lost the credibility of the management uh, team. And if you've lost the credibility of the management team, that's it. There is no deal. And the last thing, which I believe is very, very important, is that you never know, as I said, whether you're going to sell the company or not. And although there is a lot of pressure to deliver on the quarter results, you must make sure that you have the right strategy in place and you continue to invest in the future development of the, of the, of the company. Okay, and not just to say, all right, I'm making a 
short-term kind of exercise and I'm just selling the company now and I don't care what's going on. I'm going to reduce the R&D spending for the company to look kind of uh, better. That doesn't work. Um, and I think that if you do that, make sure that you manage the management attention, you manage the short-term results, you manage the focus of the, uh, of the management and employees and the long-term results. Uh, it's a good recipe and um, uh, to a great success. And, and I can say that, you know, although we've done it a few times, every time it's uh, not less exciting than the previous time. And we keep on learning every time how to get better and better in doing it. Good luck next time. Uh, yes, we're looking forward. We have to see $2 billion there. It's, it's the next $2 billion. TP, uh, uh, you should probably add animated GIFs to your product. It's another 400 million just there. <laughs> <laughs> and you have to say AI, uh, and yes. that's it. <laughs> that's it. You got We're adding phone. AI now. We're adding AI. Maybe that will bring yeah. us to the 2 billion. Yes. Uh, we, as you all know, we feel it. All of us are in the middle of the COVID-19 uh, economy and era. Some of us are still stay at home. Some of us are just getting out of home. And I would like to ask all of you, what do you feel we are in the state? What is the situation now relating to COVID-19? Are we getting out of it? Or we are still in the middle of the crisis, the middle of the pandemic? And uh, what do you feel? should be done now regarding to it. Uh, Liad, let's start with you. Yeah, I, well, I think it's a huge question that you can probably have uh, the experts from all over the world discussing it. So I'll speak it from our angle, of course. I, I don't think the crisis is over at all. Uh, you can see you know, what happens in the US right now and everyone is expecting the second wave. Um, many stores are shut down and many stores that have reopened, the traffic has not come back. You know, restaurants are still closed. Uh, so it's, I, I, we, are, we are really, I think, in the beginning because the analogy we, I used to give when we're speaking with, uh, when I'm speaking with employees and with friends is, you know, when you, when you are swimming in a, when you are in a swimming pool and if I put your head under the water, if I put it for 30 seconds, you go up and it's okay. If I put your head under the water for a minute, it's an uncomfortable feeling, you resurface, you breathe some air and you're okay. If you're under the water for 10 minutes, it's the end of the story. It doesn't matter now if I'm taking you out after 15 minutes or 60 minutes, I mean, you're, you're done. And I think that a lot of these businesses that need cash flow to survive, uh, it's not a matter of time, how long can they survive without cash flow? Uh, from our perspective, because we are catering to the e-commerce part of, of retail businesses, um, of course, e-commerce has gone up significantly. So we see a huge surge in traffic for our customers and in, in sales online. But if you are a company with 700 physical stores that are all shut down and your e-commerce activity, you know, even if you're doing 500% more in sales online, it doesn't compensate for 700 stores. And of course, each business has its complexities. If you're in the hotel business, it's one thing. If you're in a restaurant business, it's another thing. Um, you know, for example, like some, some, you know, restaurant chains are facing supply chain issues. You know, in the U.S., there is a shortage of meat. Okay, think about, you know, um, companies don't need to sell hamburgers that there's no meat supply. So there's, a, there's other complexities to this that, that, we, that we are seeing. But I think what, one thing for sure is that it's not something that's going to be over in a month or in three months or in six months. We're going to see different ways in which it's going to affect businesses over the next couple of years. Not everything is negative. We see already the kind of acceleration to the remote work. You know, we're doing this on Zoom now. It's something that you would never imagine you would do a few months ago. Um, we see Facebook and Twitter and you know, a lot of Silicon Valley companies saying, yeah, now they're opening up, not just work from home, but they are changing the culture so that they can hire employees globally versus next to one of their offices. So there is, it's going to lead to a lot of changes in the long term and how people think. Uh, but I also think regarding work from home that I think some of the press that Silicon Valley is getting, I think is a bit of an overreaction. It's only been two months that people are, or even less that people are working from home. Um, I, I don't think it's the first choice of, of most employees. I mean, people like to come to the office. They, they like the social interactions. They, they like meeting with people. You know, I, as a CEO, I can walk around and have random conversations with people. You don't really go on a random Zoom call for two minutes with someone just to ask how their weekend was. So you lose a lot of things when working remote. So, so I think that like in the last week, we see all this work from home press. I think it's, a, it's exaggerated a bit. 
and when life will go back to to normal i think in that aspect at least i think we're going to see still the office is still going to be there people will want to come to the office maybe not every day because you can work from uh, from home in some areas um so again you, you ask a very general question i'm answering from from our narrow perspective uh, i'm only I'm only looking for your perspective i don't don't expect you to look from the perspective of the president or something like this okay omar and you, could you are, you know the president is back to golfing you know so, yes uh, so, uh, business as usual omar you are a startup uh, still uh, raising funds uh, not you don't have the back like uh, liades the back of mcdonald's uh, cpa has their funds back you need to uh, earn your living now do you see? Do you see starting to feel the influence of the COVID nineteen? How was this time for you? Well, Innovis so far raised two hundred and fifty-two million dollars. Uh, we closed our last round uh, last year. Uh, it was bigger than than we initially wanted, and obviously we're now very happy about it. Everybody needs to adapt, right? To 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 gain back some of the lost. Uh, time and uh, extend the runway because you, you never know really what would be the the end of uh, or the end effect of of this process. Um, so money wise, I mean runway wise, we are in in a good position. Now it is a question about the the market. I, I think uh, you know the 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 kind of uh, projects that we're involved are uh, usually three four years anyway. Uh, it's nothing that uh, you know starts uh, in in a few months and 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 goes to the market. So um, this uh, bump of uh, two three months um, shouldn't have a, a great uh, like a large effect. Um, so I, I I really think that in general the the way that we work with our customers we don't really see uh, a lot of change. Most of the engineers that we work with are are disconnected. From the production line, uh, which was very hurt, hurt by in the automotive, uh, so their work wasn't interfered. The, the big question whether um, the loss of uh, revenues of those companies will translate to lower uh, R&D budget in the next uh, few years. I think this is uh, mostly, uh, you know, because it's anyway a long, uh, long play. It's mostly a, a competition. A question it's a strategy of the company where they want to be three four years from today because anyway it's not relevant for next year or two years from today and and the, the COVID-19 will probably flush out the screen out uh, those companies that anyway uh, were in a an, in a bad situation uh, automotive is, is a long desert to cross before you get uh, to a, a product on 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 the road we are working with companies that are well-funded, uh, you know, we, we have an engagement with BMW. Uh, I don't think that, you know, I haven't seen any any change in the product. Maybe <laughs> maybe it's becoming more tight as uh, the schedule is becoming more tight as always. Um, so I, I think so far we haven't seen a lot of change. I, I do, you know, we, we need to see how next year when they need to set their budget for the year and, and see if something is changed. But so far, any any program that we've been engaged with is uh, is on track, or you could say it's a Fata Morgana. I don't know how to say it in English, but uh, you know, engineers now they they want to outperform, they want to make more progress. They now had they are now at home and they have more attention to talk with you. Uh, that's also something you should be uh, you know make sure that you understand that the people you work uh, you work with are now. More engaged that just because they want to show their bosses they are making more progress. Uh, so far, we haven't seen a slowdown, and of course, there was a delay of one or two months uh, in some places, but because they were not less accessible. But haven't seen a big shift. Do you think it will be, if you need another funding, do you think it will be dif more difficult for you, or since you're doing a long-term business, it's not relevant for you? If you think about funding in the next year or so, so uh, you know we're now in, we're not an A round B round stage. We're, we're we're in a growth stage, 
So uh, it will mostly be uh, decided whether uh, we will be able to increase our, our sales. We're, we are a company now with a product that is manufactured and uh, we have a certain uh, you know, revenues and it needs to grow. Uh, it's about execution, as CP said. It, you you can't uh, you know you can't uh, you know raise money based on a dream in, in a company that uh, has a, a large uh, investment in R and D every year. You, you start to need to show uh, growth of business. So I, I believe that uh, you know our product is now coming out to the to the market. I really believe that this product is going to be a huge success. So I think that when we'll be in the stage that we need to raise money, I, I think we'll be okay. Okay, uh, great. Tsipi, uh, uh, you're a totally different stage than the other uh, companies you are selling by a lot. But for you, it was also kind of a shock, the, the COVID-19. First, because you work a lot with China and China got the COVID-19 first, started it even and got out of it first and second because you have to pro to produce uh, products and sell it worldwide how do you feel how was the covid-19 era for you okay so first i think it is a shock uh, i think it's nothing that uh, we came close to in terms of uh, experiencing uh, for us um, uh, i think that we were we were quite fortunate by the fact that um, we have a significant business in China. We have around 30% of the business uh, that came from China. And uh, the fact that China got it first, it allowed us to continue and sell the rest of the business, that was 70%, while learning how to deal with the situation in China. So we actually used the first quarter to learn how to deal with the situation, okay? To learn how to deal with the supply chain, how to deal with forecasting, how to deal with scenario planning, how to start doing kind of to leverage the time that you cannot visit the hospital, but at the same time engage the uh, physician that they would like to buy your product later on because actually they have now more time, okay? So, so if you develop the right contact for them and you do like a webinar like, like, like this one, and if you do good training to the, uh, the employees and if you develop the right uh, programs for the hospital you know that uh, maybe you delay the payment and that they will not pay anything for the first two months or three months to uh, make it easier for them so to develop the, uh, the the right business model so we got the right uh, i think you know we were fortunate that uh, we could play with china and to learn how to deal with the situation so that later on when it started kind of uh, spreading worldwide, we already had the experience of uh, scenario planning and of building kind of the, uh, the flexibility. I would say that uh, from, from our point of view, you know, we are like, uh, usually, you know, we are very, um, we are a business whereby, you know, we can say, okay, if we're doing Q1 last year, we did this, this year we're launching a new product, so we'll do X plus Y, okay? Um, I think that what uh, the coronavirus or the COVID-19 uh, learned us is how to operate in a totally different way, okay? Um, the world of annual operating plan has got no meaning anymore, okay? Because you don't know what's, what's going to happen. You don't know when the markets are going to be open. You need to move to scenario planning. You need to be working in a totally flexible way, uh, very, very uh, creative. Every day you need to evaluate your decision and take a new decision. You need to develop a lot of, uh, I think your dog is, is barking. Um, I think that you have, to, um, you have to make sure that you develop uh, a set of uh, alert system, you know, to give you the right alert on what's happening in the market, but not to confuse yourself with data that you do not need, just the data that will impact you on your decision in your decision uh, making. I, uh, I agree with Liada. I think the, uh, the COVID-19 have created what we call the new normal. The world is not going to be the same uh, after the COVID-19. It's going to be a different world. I think it accelerated uh, many things that should have happened in, in any way, you know, kind of. Uh, and, uh, and I think that uh, we all as kind of as CEOs, as, as managers have to adapt 
and take this as an opportunity, as an opportunity to, uh, to develop much more flexible organization that can uh, adapt um, much faster to what is, uh, what is uh, kind of uh, needed. Um, and at the same time, make sure that uh, we continue to, uh, uh, to take care of the uh, safety of uh, our employees. Did you, we feel that China is a bit over the, the COVID-19. Do you also feel it working, working with China? They started buying, they started looking at more or they are still in the COVID-19 mode? No, so China, I think that uh, there is something very nice about, uh, about uh, China. Um, and I think that uh, if you want to characterize a country that is best positioned uh, to deal with the COVID-19 situation, this is uh, China. Okay, it's a dictatorship. It's very simple. Okay, uh, <laughs> if there is an issue, they force everyone to a lockdown, and everyone is in a lockdown. Not like in not like in Israel or in Maybach. Okay, and it's very clear because if people are in a real lockdown for three weeks, you know exactly who is ill and who is not ill. So China has managed the situation in a very good way, uh, whereby uh, they took care of, uh, in, the, in terms of the recovery and stabilization of the health situation. Uh, they also took care of the economy. Uh, basically what they did is that you were not allowed to lay off any employees until the end of February. So until the minute that they said, okay, we are over it and you can get, come back to work, uh, you were not allowed to uh, lay off any people. So it means that in terms of the economic recovery, okay, businesses basically continued, which is very different than kind of what we see in Israel with the 25 kind of uh, percent kind of uh, unemployment, but you can only force it in, in China. And now basically they're going to start and uh, do all this uh, stimulus. Um, at the end of the month, uh, there's going to be all the conclusion of the uh, of the uh, political uh, party, which is in charge on how to stimulate the the, the economy. We are already seeing, you know, uh, them uh, starting kind of uh, to buy. There are some domains that we are actually seeing even uh, growth year over year. Okay, uh, um, uh, which is even to us, it's it's kind of surprising uh, to see that there is a. That they managed to do it uh, so quickly, and I believe that uh, China will come. Uh, will come if there will not be a second wave um, by the uh, by the. Sorry, um, I think that by the end of the year they will come come out of it uh, totally. If there will not be a second wave, you know, I mean, there could be a second wave. I have a question that interests, I think, a lot of us these days. Do you think that something will be left after after? We'll start, I know in a few months, we'll start, go back to work, go back to the offices. Do you think something out of the things we've done during this era, work from home, Zoom, or anything from the work procedures will stay with us or we'll get back to the place where we have been, let's say January or December of 19? Uh, because a lot of people are just waiting to forget COVID-19 and a lot of people Still, uh, won't say, hey, I like this year. It was good for me. Uh, Omar, what do you feel? Um, I think the, the, the thing that probably will stay the longest will be people uh, working from home. I'm sure everybody acknowledges that it's, uh, you know, we, we, we all experienced it. We, we, got, we, we had the opportunity, a unique opportunity to, to really uh, do an, 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 a huge experiment of sending us home and, and try to do the, the most. Everyone can say that they were surprised about how well that actually worked for them. Um, so I, and I think as uh, I think Liad said earlier, or maybe I'm wrong, uh, that even for them, uh, many of them actually outperformed in this situation. And it's similar to us. I mean, we have uh, software engineers that, uh, you know, and you know, architect that suddenly had time to do things they couldn't do it before. So I, I'm sure this will stay longer. I I, I think that uh, video conferencing was something that we less used, although the technology was available, and there are many uh, benefits. I think some of the meetings that we are doing in, on videos are are much better. I think the 
the audience is much more, uh, I would say, uh, the culture of discussion is, is better. Uh, people understand that there is only one people person who is talking. People come more prepared for the meeting with presentations. Uh, people uh, go on time and leave on time because it's very easy. You don't need to move from one place to another. So, uh, and, and uh, usually, I, I think in general, uh, multiple discussions are just really much better in this way. Uh, and the people that are, are not in the office are feeling more comfortable to take it uh, if they can. I, I, I'm sure that I will never travel to Tel Aviv in the middle of the day. If I, I, I will never. <laughs> I will only use this. But if a worker will, will ask to work from home, would you consider it? Or uh, once getting back to the office is getting back to the office? Yeah, of course. I mean, and we are doing that. Uh, I think that uh, uh, people who can actually do their job at home, I, I don't think, I don't see a problem with that. Of course, if, if he, if, if he can't do, if he can't do his job, uh, you know, because people are dependent on him and he need access to the lab, obviously that will be more difficult. But if people are actually outperforming working from home, I don't see, I think it would be a stupid idea not to, not to allow it. Tipi, what do you think will, will be left to us after the COVID will forget this thing, COVID-19 or Corona? Yeah, so I think that uh, at first we will continue to be paranoid a bit, you know, that uh, <laughs> at the moment, you know, our sensors are much more alerted than, than before. You know, we keep on, you know, collecting all the, the you know, what's happening, you know, uh, how many procedures are happening in each hospital, in each, uh, in each state and so on. So we are, we are much more alert than before to what, what happened. And I think that we will continue to do so. I, uh, I agree with Omar and Lia, there will be more, uh, more usage of the uh, remote technology uh, working from home. But also something which is kind of, uh, I would share that, uh, you know, we are, we are participating in, in large uh, conferences, you know, like uh, 15,000 physicians are uh, coming to a place where spending hundreds, tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of dollars on a, on a conference to kind of uh, demonstrate uh, our technology. And uh, during this time, you know, because all the conferences were uh, canceled, uh, we started to uh, to do kind of uh, to use uh, online uh, online webinars and online uh, marketing. Uh, I would say, to our big surprise, in some cases, we get more leads from the online rather than we get uh, from the traffic on the uh, on the on the floor. Okay. It saves you money, and it saves you a lot of money. It's, 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 it's not only that it saves a lot of money, you know, kind of on the floor, you manage to get, you know, people go, uh, they come, they see, you get 10 minutes of their, uh, you get 10 minutes of their attention. Um, if, if you manage to uh, convince them to register to a webinar, you got one hour of their attention, whereby you've got their fully, uh, full attention, you know. Uh, like now, like now. Exactly. Right now that you can present and share everything about what you do. So as a result of that, I think it's of no surprise that you get uh, more people interested in the product because you've got the opportunity to tell uh, your story. So I think the world of conferences, I think, is going gonna, is gonna to change. Um, we were debating, you know, uh, we have, uh, because we're a global company, uh, we have a global uh, quarterly uh, quarterly meeting whereby all the management is coming from all around the world and people cannot come now, you know. Uh, so we said, okay, we will do it. We will do it online. And then we were thinking, would we do it online going forward? You know, kind of, okay, for Q2, we'll do it online. But let's say that everything is back to normal in Q3 and or Q4. Uh, would we allocate kind of this one week or would we still do it online? And we basically, said we want to do it face to face and out of two reasons uh one is that um if you have a global business then the hours simply do not work there is only like you know between uh, asia and and the us you you know if someone wakes up at uh, five o'clock or someone goes to sleep at one o'clock at night then you have four hours of overlap okay that's the maximum that uh, that you can do and second, I think that uh, we would still need to maintain the kind of the face-to-face, the, the, -face, the time that you are not just focused, but the time that you make all these 
small talks, the time that you allow yourself to brainstorm, to lean back, to think about, and so on. So I think there will be a mix, um, but definitely more, uh, more on the, uh, on the online. And I think that we will become uh, much, much more sharper in terms of how we use our money uh, in marketing. Much sharper. And Liad, to you, what do you, what do you think will be left for us after it besides uh, lunch napping? I mean, frankly, I mean, I think that when you're in the middle of a storm, uh, it's not responsible to think about uh, long term how things are going to happen. You know, it's literally been two months. We just people are just starting to get back to the office. So we're not in a like there is the, there is. So, the, yeah, the world is going to change, but the new normal has not been set. There is still so much. Uh, so. I'd rather wait. I mean, there's no real advantage of being a first mover here. I'd rather be a second mover or a third mover. So for example, we didn't get back to the office yet. So, you know, we told the employees that want to come to the office, they can come to the office. We don't, um, if you don't want to come to the office, don't come to the office, work from home. Um, there, it's not the right time to make any big decisions. Um, there's so much unknown. Uh, we just need to tactically look at it a week by week, you know, on an ongoing basis. Like our Berlin office is already, um, you know, folks are coming back because they feel comfortable there. New York, of course, is completely shut down. Um, so frankly, I don't know. Uh, and I think that predicting right now would be uh, would be wrong for me as a CEO. I, I just need to wait and see, you know, tactically what 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 needs to happen over the next couple of weeks and then and then revisit it. You know, I we saved this year, you know, it's uh, so... Again, we are an enterprise sales company. You know, we our our sales model requires flying over. You know, meeting with large teams, multiple multiple meetings, and of course, our customers are all over the world. So you can imagine how much we spend on travel. Um, so um, it, so what we saw is March and April, um, our sales got hit big time. Any deal that was not closed before, let's say the second week of March, um, got postponed. Uh, but you know, coming in May, um, we had last week we had our best week in, in our history in terms of, of new business uh, because um, because um, people are buying again and and they're buying through virtual meetings, etc. So one thing that for sure happens is that I'm going to spend less on travel uh, this year and I think that next year as well. Uh, of course, conferences and events, which is also a big spend for us, we're saving a lot of money by not doing them. Um, but, but you can only not attend events or not travel to customers if everyone else is doing the same, right? It's like the prisoner's dilemma. If my competitor yes. will travel to meet with a, with a prospect, I cannot do the call via Zoom because they're going to be in a certain advantage that I'm not. Um, so as long as everyone uh, is, is acting the same, yeah, there's going to be a lot of new interesting ways to, to work uh, more effectively. Um, but and so we just have to wait and see. Frankly, uh, I I don't. Uh, I can tell you even with Israel with the office opening. I don't know if you've read the regulations of how to work in an office in Israel right now. You need like five PhDs in philosophy to to debate the meaning of these really ridiculous rules uh, that that really don't make any sense and contradict each other. So you can take the stance where you know. Okay, I want to I want to buy all these separators now, and everyone has to I don't know like you know disinfect themselves with the thing that Trump is drinking. Like you can go crazy about it, uh, um, but when you actually read the regulations, um, it doesn't say much. So I so and you know when you start thinking about it again, I've I've almost uh, three thousand square meters uh, in in Tel Aviv. Like I would have to spend about $40,000 on buying all these uh, separators that will go to the garbage bin in a month. So I decided to wait um, and then to take a more liberal interpretation of that. So you have to stay two meters from, from one another. Okay, so one employee will sit to the left side of the left table and the other one will sit to the right side of the right table and I've got two meters. Like there's just, there's just so many <laughs> stupid things of really, at the end of the day, uh, um, I'm not going to be political here, but at the end of the day, I would call it as the industry. When I look at how the government is treating that that, that crisis, these are a bunch of really amateurs that, that don't understand how the world really needs to operate and how people operate and how companies operate. So you've got like on a, on a, on Friday they tell you one thing, on Saturday another thing. And one thing that businesses need is predictability and the ability to plan. 
Now, the people who are in government who are in charge of managing this crisis, they're a bunch of clowns. So I need to manage my company with certain ways of predictability when there's a bunch of clowns making changes every day. Um, so <laughs> it's complicated. It's complicated. And, and it's especially frustrating when I see what happens in other countries that are not being run by a bunch of clowns. You see what happens in New Zealand. You see what happens in Germany. You know, in Germany, I could have planned the opening of the office 30 days before because the government was very clear at what's going to happen over the next six weeks. So I could plan accordingly. In Israel, you know, we, um, we live in a, on a coconut island. You know, it's very different to run a business here. So, um, so ask me in a month and tell you a different answer because there's going to be a new different rules. We have a whole new government uh, since uh, <laughs> last week. Uh, for now, it's chaos. Okay. We are trying to manage the chaos. Um, and, uh, and I don't think it's going to change in the near future. CP, I have a question from the audience. Uh, Daniela is asking us, how is to sell, how is your feeling to sell a company again and again and again? Was there something different each time? Uh, does it change from owner to owner? Mayor, it's the check, of course. <laughs> That's different every time, no? <laughs> it's a new check every time. <laughs> Um, first, it's a new check every time, and we love to do it, okay? Um, and it's, uh, it's very different. Uh, I would say, it's a, if I look at the, uh, at the two processes that, uh, that we had and at the, uh, at the public offering that, uh, that we did, um, um, these were totally different type of processes. Um, you know, every, every owner has got a different perspective on how they want to manage uh, the process. Um, if you're going with one bank versus another, like, you know, um, every bank has got a different kind of uh, approach uh, and they guide you in a very, uh, in a very different, uh, different way. Um, so the process, you know, on the one hand, there is a very clear kind of recipe on how you sell the company, okay, from, uh, from the uh, stage one until you, you know, kind of to the data room, till kind of to, till you're fully executing. But um, all, the, uh, all the details, all the ins and outs, all the dynamics, uh, everything was, uh, I would say everything was very, very different. And, I think the fact that the company was uh, much more much more mature, and the and Liad is right, the check was was much bigger. Okay, uh, then you have to. Uh, it's different buyers. The people who can write big checks are uh, different uh, uh, different private equities, uh, much larger uh, private equities, uh, much more uh, more sophisticated in terms of. Uh, what they're asking and what they're looking for. And that requires you for, uh, for you know, uh, to have a, to be, to be much more prepared with more, more details and more management attention. You know, it's uh, not a speedy process. Um, and it takes a lot of time. Okay, and, great. But it's still very exciting. A question for Omer. Uh, Elon Musk, Tesla CEO, says that LIDAR is not needed for the autonomous driving revolution because camera and radar sensors together with AI algorithms are sufficient. What do you think about this? And it's Elon Musk said, you know. That's my, that's my favorite question. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, yeah. Elon Musk also says that the corona is, is a fake virus and uh, that yeah. we shouldn't take care. So uh, Elon yeah. Musk... Exactly. Maybe right sometimes, but maybe wrong sometimes. No, the, the, the thing is, uh, you know, Elon Musk is a, is, a is a CEO of a company that sells a product uh, which promises that one day uh, it will convert into an autonomous car, but really that nobody really uh, believes it's possible because they are not using uh, the right uh, technology. But he's selling the car, right? He, he says that you should buy the car now we promise you that in a year or two, we will download a new software and you'll get a new capability. He's basically selling a product. So, you know, it's my world versus his in this situation. So I, I don't think like, if it was an expert from the university that would say, look, I've, uh, you know, I've showed everyone in a, in a research that you can, you can do an, an autonomous car without a LiDAR, I would take it more seriously. I think that Google, who's been around for many more years than Tesla, 
uh, we're trying to develop an autonomous car and i don't think that google engineers are less capable than tesla in in running computer vision and if they thought they can do an autonomous car without uh, a lidar i'm sure they would try to do so uh, but you see that they are heavily invested in developing an autonomous car mostly uh, focused by using a lidar so it's i don't really i don't think it really um, means a lot you know when uh, you know someone who is trying to I, I i give a lot of credit to elon musk i think he's a an amazing person uh, in this uh, case i think it's a you know it's a position statement rather than uh, a really um, you know there's something behind it and uh, if you took if you talk to any other car company they would tell you that the rule of thumb for autonomous car or basically anything automotive, which is related to functional safety, uh, basically it means that any decision made by a computer uh, on, a, on, a, on a safety element, safety critical, must be uh, based on uh, uh, seeing a problem by two different uh, sensors. So if a camera fails to see a problem, you, you actually are left with nothing. And even today in a, in a Tesla, when you are running your autopilot, you are required to hold the wheel and look at the wheel, look on the road, because if the camera doesn't see anything, you're, you're, you're doomed. Because the radar is unable to see things that the camera isn't. And we all know that camera, uh, you know, are limited in low light condition or too bright condition. And sometimes actually the problem is with the computer vision. You know, there is a, a long list of things that could happen on the road, which the camera was, you know, computer vision was never trained uh, to understand. If someone pushes a piano into the road and nobody ever tagged a piano, the camera would not understand what it is and you might crash into it thinking it's a shadow. A LiDAR would see it because even if you won't understand it's a piano, you would see it. And I, I wouldn't want to drive in a car that might not understand what he's looking at. And you see Tesla crashing into objects in a, you know on the road like a, a concrete wall which was painted as the as the of the road or a truck that was standing in a, you know in a strange way and the camera just didn't understand what it is so i think it's still i mean i, I i'm asked about this many times because you know elon musk is a figure and i think he, he i think that the industry owes him a lot because the competition for the car makers are mostly coming from tesla and they are not shy in uh, taking new technologies to the market but i think functional safety is something that tesla is really underestimating when they're talking about um, you know autonomous driving and that's something that other companies are thank you uh, something that we did discuss a lot and liad let's start with you uh, we got a few questions regarding employees first and i want to combine a few questions how do employees reacted to the new change of business and and everything and first, do you think it's uh, now there are a lot of employees outside looking for jobs? And what do you think about it? This is a good time for them to, to start looking for jobs. Is good time for you to take workers? But first, tell us what what were the feelings of the employees when they understood that instead of uh, what happened, let's say December twenty nineteen, when everything was blooming, growth, uh, and everything suddenly breaks well i think first of all uh, in our case uh, because uh, we have uh, financial stability you know there was no layoffs we didn't do any salary cuts um i think the first thing is that something that people took for granted before corona um after corona it's like yeah hey i have a job and no one cut my salary so that's that's already a plus uh, and, and value that we could have provided our employees because we have a I would call it that we have fewer cash flow constraints right now. Um, it did affect our planning, of course. We we froze hiring and we paused a few projects, but but uh, all our employees uh, remained employed with us. We actually had over the last um, several months a few employees that were already about to leave. Um, and so, first of all, like we had an employee that uh, WeWork was about to hire, and then WeWork went you know, sideways, <laughs> and uh, and he he stayed with us. Uh, so we feel like we are at the Hotel California. I mean, many of uh, Cases like in the last two months, there were two employees that they had job offers from other companies, and then Corona hit, and then they said, "Well, actually, it's not that bad in Dynamic Yield. Uh, maybe I should stay." So we, I think we were. Um, it helped us. 
Um, I also think that um, uh, in Israel, in the last um, couple of years, there is too much uh, there is too much venture capital. There's too much free or cheap money in Israel, and a lot of companies raised a lot of money. And I'm not 100 sure that many of these companies uh, should have. Um, it was it was justified for them to raise uh, uh, so much money. And there is there is lack of talented employees in Israel. So salaries went you know are, are have increased year over year in a material way. And that, together with the weak U.S. dollar, is creating a problem for startup companies. So it becomes kind of a race of, um, you know, of uh, um, of like keeping your employees because it only takes one absurd offer to an employee to completely confuse them about kind of quote unquote their market value, etc. So how do you balance it? And I think uh, I hope that Corona is going to bring some sanity uh, into the hiring market in Israel. Um, I, I and um, because it, there was a race that is not healthy um, in terms of of, of uh, um, kind of, of the, these offers that I've seen floating in the market because just companies were desperate to hire. But I think now that hiring is slowing down a bit, um, it's you know it's always a good opportunity to look for a job if you are interested in another job. Like I don't think that um, I think there's fewer opportunities now because of companies that they post hiring or slow down hiring. But that's gonna in a year, it's going to be back to normal. So unless you're completely in a suffering mode, you can just stay and wait a few months and there's going to be this opportunity. I think oh, it's no. a great opportunity. Well, I, a few, two months ago, I thought it was a great opportunity to join public companies where the stock was depressed and you could have gotten stock options or RSUs at a very low price. But that's less relevant uh, to the startup world. In the US, I think uh, a month ago was an amazing timing to switch between two public companies. Omer, oh, how do you, do your workers uh, reacted to the suddenly changed uh, atmosphere? So, um, so we, you know, we started by working uh, at home. Uh, we tried to allow the engineers have direct control on, on, on many setups. We, we kind of seen this coming, so we worked on automation of a lot of processes. We, we are a company that is actually producing. So the, you know, our production line is not in Israel, it's actually in Germany. Um, and but we have uh, stations here that are used in order to to test those uh, systems and calibrate them. So that that actually was allowed by the 15% that was given, and we tried to use them at most as possible. Other people work from home, and uh, we use that time also to allow more automation and, and remote control. Um, in regards to hiring, so we, we still hire people, but based on, you know, projects that are at higher priority, we, we didn't uh, let go of people or uh, reduce the salaries. Uh, we tried to more uh, look at uh, future activities that we can push. Um, we are engaged with a serious production vehicle, so we can't really slow down. We are actually asked to speed up. Um, so it's a, it's, a, it's a very strange situation because uh, you know, everybody around us is slowing down and we're actually pushing the gas uh, because we need to catch up with a, with a program, with an automotive company. So it's, it's, not, very, it's not a very easy situation. Um, you know, we rely that uh, this is a, a good bet, you know, pushing further and get our product to the market in order to increase uh, you know, revenues. I, I think that as a startup, you always need to plan versus uh, you know your budget and you know runway, uh, but versus milestones. If I'll slow down and I won't be able to achieve meaningful uh, you know milestones and revenues, that doesn't make sense. I mean that doesn't that you know that's uh, losing today. I mean I can I can make a decision to slow down, but basically I will never get to a milestone that will allow me to raise another uh, uh, you know round. So I, I need to focus to stay focused on that. Uh, By the way, Mayor, uh, um, we hired about 20 people since Corona. So think about it, 20 of my employees never met anyone besides on Zoom. Uh, and the funny thing is, is that we is, heard... Uh, go ahead, Mayor. Uh, I always hire someone by Zoom, is it? Uh, so, uh, you know what we found out? It's not that bad. Uh, of course, there's nothing like being in, a, in the same room together, but it works well. I think we're very happy with the new hires. Um, and the funny thing is that some of the feedback we get is that, you know, they really like the company culture, even though they've never been physically in office, somehow the culture and the people they work with 
somehow it gets transmitted over Zoom and over um, you know like group uh, group conversations uh, that are virtual, which is so so. These are 20 people that switched jobs during Corona. They joined us. They've never been to the office, never met anyone in person, and they already feel part of the team. And we just can't wait to actually meet them physically. But but that's a weird it's a weird situation. Um, and in some cases, um, some employees, uh, some new employees, they got worried about it because it's scary to leave a job and join another job that is all virtual, right? Um, I don't know if some of them, they may even think that we don't really have an office uh, <laughs> uh, until they physically visit it. Uh, <laughs> so it creates these uh, funny situations that we never thought we'd be facing. Okay, great. Uh, we are just about to end. Uh, I want from each one of you uh, famous last words, something optimistic for, for, the, uh, for the end, for the next year or so. Sipi, let's start with you. Something optimistic. Please. It's going to end. I think it's going to end. <laughs> I think it's going to end. It just, will just get better. And uh, I think, you know, that uh, we have to look at everything in life as an opportunity, as an opportunity to be, you know, more humble. Uh, do not, uh, do not, you know, kind of take things for granted, you know, learn to appreciate uh, the things that, uh, that we have in life. You know, restaurants are going to be open, I think, uh, tomorrow. And suddenly, you know, restaurants that are open, this is a, a wow for us. So we learn how to appreciate the work that we have we learn how to appreciate the meet the ability to meet uh, the people that uh, we like and uh, I think that we will become stronger out of it you know I think it's an unfortunate you know kind of situation and many people kind of uh, suffered and died and everything but uh, we have to take kind of the opportunity out of it and to become stronger and more humble so. Omer, famous last words humanity will prevail <laughs> <laughs> no, I think I agree. I think it, uh, it was a huge, it was an amazing uh, social experiment that we were never taken part of if we were asked to do it. And everybody learned from some, something from it. I spent more time at home, which I would never do. Uh, I never did for a very, very, very long time. Uh, so I, I met nice people there, uh, seems to be. Uh, <laughs> And I think, uh, you know, everybody learned something from this. So you make us better in a, you know, people took something from it. And Liad, your famous last word? Uh, um, I agree with what, what TP Normer said, but I think that the biggest thing is really to acknowledge that, that we are privileged, right? Like uh, the ones here on the panel and probably a lot of people that are joined this college at this, uh, you know, if you have a job and you have a steady income and you didn't go bankrupt and uh, and you're not in a financial ruin or in a you know or, or any or you didn't lose anyone, you're already like um, a privileged person. So it's really saying thank you for for the simple things uh, in life and and it's it, it's uh, it brought like you have to be humble about these things. You know you can make all these grandiose plans and then suddenly something like that happened. Uh, so it's it's back to the the simple things. Um, and I see, by the way, I live next to the Arcon Park. And, you know, I see a lot of families now doing picnics in the park. You know, I was in Dizengoff um, um, uh, two days ago in the evening. People are just sitting outside chatting. Like, it's literally basic, back to some simple basic human interactions. Um, so there is, a, there is a lot of things to take from it uh, for, uh, for, for being uh, better and humbler and uh, consume less and to, to spend time with people you love, which is what's important in life, just in my opinion. Thank you very much to you all. Thank you very much, Tel Aviv University, for the amazing uh, webinar. Thank you. Uh, it was my pleasure. Thank you all. Bye bye. Thank you. Bye bye. It was a pleasure. Bye bye.